So I think I've turned my biggest trauma into my kink. I tried to reprogram myself a few years ago to focus on how things could go right than how they could go wrong and to exist making joy rather than fearing pain. You don't get points now for being default. And I like that because I've never been default. And I used to have to apologize and work really hard to be like to try to fit into the default. And now that the default's shit, I'm like, yes, yes, welcome. Join me. Join me. Come here. (laughs) I think that's the theme tune to Gremlins. I made it different at the end, so it wasn't the same. I still have no jingle, so this will have to do. This is Who Had You Podcast. With me, your host, Sophie Hagen, and your guest today, David Morgan. It's David's second time on this podcast. The last time was in, I think, 2016. We sat in a basement bar in central London and talked a lot about musical theatre. They then supported me on tour a couple of times, and now they are part of the cast of Magic Mike Live. You know, the West End show based on the movie Magic Mike? You know, the one with Channing Tatum? When David and I first did this podcast, I would refer to myself as a woman, but it felt very wrong. I didn't know it at the time, but David would refer to themselves as a man, but also feel like it was very wrong. Today, we've both realized our non-binariness, and David goes by they-them. And when I saw that they'd come out on Twitter... My heart filled with non-binary excitement, and I knew I just had to speak to them again. So, I hope you will enjoy our non-binary conversation, where you will meet a much more honest, raw, and vulnerable David Morgan. A person I didn't think I could love more than I already did. Right now, I'm in the living room of the place I'm staying at while I sublet in Camberwell. It is my day off from Magic Mike Live, which I'm in. So uh, that's nice. It's my second day off, so I have Mondays and Tuesdays off. Uh, Yesterday, I slept for pretty much the entire day Mm. uh, as reintegrating into society is a lot harder than I expected it to be. And I've tried to do as much as I used to, and I can't. Uh, oh my god, I can't. So, uh, but I went on a, uh, a pretty lovely date on Sunday night, um, which you know gave me happy thoughts and stuff. Uh, so that's where I am, kind of right now. This second, I'm relatively happy. I'm talking to Sophie Hagen, who I haven't seen in ages, and that's very exciting to me. Because uh, over the pandemic, I felt very disconnected from everyone and everything, uh, and. I am still in a place where I'm slightly disassociated with actual reality because it all seems so tenuous. I'm in a show which, if the government decided could close at any moment, that I was waiting to reopen for 14 months because it was my source of income. And turns out I physically require audiences in order to exist uh, in either a literal or a like metaphorical place. I, I just need people to look at me, <laughs> which I know isn't healthy, but I'm lucky that I'm talented enough to get audiences. So as long as that's the case, I'm not fucking giving it up and you can't make me. Uh, I love it. Uh, Sorry. I don't know why I thought you were going to say, but I'm lucky enough to be in therapy. But no, <laughs> you were just like, I'm lucky enough to just have audiences. So <laughs> so it's yeah, not a problem yeah, yeah. to have an unhealthy yeah. behavior. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine that I I need it. Like, I need it. I don't think people understand. Like, when you say, oh, you like performing, it's like, no, 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 I, I do like doing it. Yes, it, I'm very lucky that that's my job and I'm good enough. But also, I physically need to do it. Uh, Otherwise, what is the fucking point? <laughs> what am I doing? And that's fine. Like, it's okay. Um, and it's, uh, I've stopped apologizing for it. I think uh, being a, I don't want to say artist, but like being a performer, being a, a creative person who 
puts themselves out there, generally people expect you to apologize for it or stuff. You have to be like, I'm sorry, I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm sorry, I'm a writer. It's like, I'm not sorry. I'm just, it makes you feel a bit awkward and I'm really bored of having to make you feel better because I need to feel better. <laughs> do you know, do you know why? Uh, why well, do I need to do it? Mm? Oh God, I have this theory that I do stand-up comedy because I am so terrified about rejection, so terrified about getting it wrong, so terrified at misreading the room or saying something out of place that comedy gives me constant and immediate feedback that I'm doing it right. So I think I've turned my biggest trauma into my kink. Uh, which uh, is what, you know, I think people who have very high-powered jobs, like being dominated, I think I'm so, like, terrified about being rejected that if I can convince 150, 200 people in a room that I'm funny, then I, I'm right for a bit. I've got it right. And there's no, and also there's no, there's no uh, grey area. Like, you're, you're either, people are either laughing or they're not laughing. So I, I, the, the data is there. I know that that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned having gone on a date. Then how, mm. how do you then, how, how do you date if you fear rejection? Oh, I get my heart broken uh, all the time, uh, constantly, absolutely, like devastatingly. But I, I quite like. I don't mind that now. Um, I'm learning to be okay with it. Um, uh, I really enjoy doing things with other people. I really enjoy. I, I've realised I broke up with my ex in 2019. Uh, we were together for 13 years, so I've just restarted dating, and I haven't really dated before. Honestly, this is the longest I've been single my entire adult life, uh, and I'm doing it in London with men. So that's all of the wrong things. That's all of the wrong way of doing it. They're all the, the worst bits. Oh, and, and in my 30s as well, that is, you know, perfect. Just like tie it all up with a little bow. It's just terrible. So I have had my heart broken a lot, but I like that I feel that deeply. So I, I, I tried to reprogram myself a few years ago to focus on how things could go right than how they could go wrong and to exist making joy rather than fearing pain. So on dates especially, I'll give my all. I don't play games. Like if I'm into you, I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to be like, I, I, I think you're really great. I'm a big fan. I'm looking forward to seeing you again. Rather than that kind of like, oh, I don't know. Maybe, possibly. Oh, well, you mean nothing to me, so whatever. And, I'm like, and if they respond like that, I sort of cut them out immediately because I'm like, well, I can't bother with that. That's not how it's going to work. Uh, and so it's like, I, like, I don't mind, but you don't have to be as needy as I am. I mean, please, God, don't be. That would be horrifying. But you, <laughs> you just have to say you at least give a little bit of a shit. Just be like, just tell me that you're enjoying my company. And also, like, say that out loud a little bit for me because uh, I do need that as well I'm you can't just like just contacting me isn't enough uh I also need you to be like and I also think you're nice uh that's just that's just how it's gonna be but I let them know early on and if that's what they're into then fine how does okay so how does fear of rejection and I mean this both in your work capacity but also in your personal life fear of rejection how does that work with authenticity Oh, see, this, I was having a problem with this because it's like, I'm, I mean, you do this as well. You're a charismatic performer. We very much can manifest something that will make everyone in the room like us and also be convincing enough that they'll think it's true when it isn't. And so I, again, have done a little bit of work on myself, finding a way to be okay with people rejecting me if it's on if it's their fault, not mine. So if I say something that I think comes from a place of truth, of honesty, of empathy, of kindness, 
and they don't like it, well, that's them. So they're not rejecting me. They're, they're just not correct for this. And I started to realize that, because I used to do it, I used to make up things, like, not make up things, I used to make up myself to be how people wanted me to be. And so they were they rejected me. It was all my fault. It was all something I've done. And it was all my fault because I created the perfect version of the thing they wanted and then they didn't want it. So it was my fault. Whereas now, if I'm just the best me, if I'm just the most complete, correct me, and they reject that, well, that's them. And that's okay. I'm getting better at rejection, but um, it's still kind of deep down, the, the thing. Like when I get a text from anyone, I just assume I've done something wrong. <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> what, how, when, when and how has all of this change happened? Uh, so it starts to happen when I was like 32, 33. So that was kind of uh, five, six, seven, that's three or four years ago. Um, I started to come into myself. I started to take myself seriously. I got a little more comfortable uh, It happened around the time I started earning a lot more money from stand-up and being on telly a bit. So I was getting truthful, real things that could ruin me. So I had money and I had um, a place to be and I had uh, people weren't worried about me anymore because they could go, well, David's on the telly. So like that was, so I, I, I could calm down those bits. And I think when I started to relax because I wasn't constantly chasing cash or a, wasn't looking for work I could then start to look at myself and go like what is it like you guys I gave myself time to look at myself a bit uh like I had to teach myself to be happy for a bit like to feel joy properly because I think I've been living constantly in like panic or fight or flight or just existing in a space of worry But when the worries went away, I was like, "What? what's this? What, what, what's this? Like, what do I, I don't know what to do. And it was just comfort and happiness. And like, I had been happy. Like, that's not, I wasn't an unhappy person. It's just, I don't have time to be happy long term. So, uh, and I think that, that kind of calmness and also, Uh, I started giving myself a bit more permission to be a little bit more reckless. So I gave myself more permission to be a little more honest with people. And I think as I started to do that, I started to like myself uh, a bit more because I, I really didn't for a bit. Uh, and that's, that's not fun. And I don't think you know how much you dislike yourself until you have time away from it. And then you can go... Oh, you, you were just not a person. <laughs> When you say you started being honest with people, do you mean like setting boundaries? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. How someone... did you find that? That is the most terrifying thing in the world to learn. Uh, so for me, the first boundary I dealt with was realizing that just because somebody liked me or wanted me around, I didn't have to do that. Mm. that's the biggest one because I was so dislike myself and uh, I, I didn't know that many people I didn't hang out with that many people I didn't have that many friends at all that if anyone came along and they made an effort with me I'd be like well let's be best mates now we're friends forever. this is I will be wherever you want me to be and do whatever you want me to do because I didn't think I had the option to choose uh, and so when I realized that I did I was like oh I can You know, I don't have to go and see you. I can say no, and that's all right. You know, if I like them enough, I'll see them when I need to see them. Or, but I don't have to invest that much. And I think that was the first boundary that I set, the first big one. My boundaries with uh, romantic partners, that's something I'm dealing with uh, now. So my romantic entanglements, and uh, dealing with kind of boundaries on their side and on my side, because that's hard to deal with. But the thing that I've, had to learn quite quickly uh, people who I meet romantically who I'm into who then want to stay friends rather than a romantic coupling which happens a lot so I'm uh, uh, a male presenting I grew up a boy pretty much and I 
generally have sex with men or romantic entanglements with men, there is a, a specificity in that relationship where because we're both of the same sexuality, like the same things, and then we like each other, we're like, well, is this romantic? It's very easy to kind of mix up uh, romantic and platonic relationships. So I had to learn when they said, okay, it's not romantic, and I generally had to take a little bit more time with that than them, I then had to repurpose that in my head. And one of the things is I would set a boundary and go, look, I do want to be your friend, but we now can't talk until I'm ready for that to happen. I'm going to have to mourn the loss of what I'd imagine because I'm a romantic and my brain's gone there already, and then reconfigure you as a different thing and also deal with the fact that one day, because we're friends, I'm going to learn about you dating someone else and I'm going to have to deal with that. And I've got a couple of really close friends now who I've done that with and I'm fine with and, and I, I promise truthfully don't want to sleep with them. It's all good. They can date who they want. I'm perfectly fine with that. But there was this one guy, one person who I was head over heels with. Some of it was pandemic and some of it was, you know, just, but we, when you, you know, when you meet someone, you just vibrate on the same frequency. Like we would text all day, every day. We would call each other on the phone for four hours. Like it was insane. Uh, we were just, uh, sorry, it was wild. Uh, it was it was wild, and um, we went on a couple of dates, and then he said, "I'm not dating. I'm, I'm not going to date anyone anymore." And I was very specific with him. I was like, "Is it anyone, or is it me? Because I'm going to need to know. And if it's if it's anyone, fine. I'll wait, which was my plan, because like I know you're going to love me eventually. But if it's me, you have to tell me now." because that's going to change everything. And he said, oh, no, no, it's everyone. And then I found out that he was dating people a couple of weeks later. And I was like, and he wasn't telling me because he knew that if he told me that I might go away. And I was like, but then I'm going to go away now because that was lying to me and you can't do that. You can't do that. And that's not your, that, that's not your place to be. If you knew that information was going to make me leave you, then you not telling me is cruelty. It's, it's, it's mean. And I was like, if you're going to date other people then, and it's not me, it's definitely not me, we can't talk now until I'm ready to do that. And he couldn't hold that boundary up. And every time he got back in touch with me, I'd fall from again and I'd fall back into it and I'd text and I'd be, in, I'd like, it'd be the best thing ever. And then I had to really, because he broke me for a bit, I really had to like just not talk to him ever again ever. Uh, and that, that's really hard. Like really, really hard because we would have been great friends, but now we can't be because we both pissed each other off. And would you maybe five, six, ten years earlier, could you have seen yourself continue the 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 circle of just like keep going back, keep, and then eventually being like, okay, I guess we can try, and overstepping your own boundaries? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. I would have. I would have done all that. Definitely. 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 One of the things that's been happening over the last couple of years, it's been really interesting, is I've realised quite how much of the emotional admin my ex used to do for me uh, that kept me out of all of this, uh, not in a oh. controlling way at all, not in a um, not in a mean way. He was incredibly caring and very lovely. Uh, I wouldn't be who I am without him. We were. He was brilliant for me, but he. I think could tell that I couldn't do this stuff. And so he would manage that. And uh, I was quite lucky in that respect that uh, he was so good at looking after me. And also I had him. So like I had someone, I had a best friend. I had someone who I would call and text and we were that close. We were very, very, very close. So uh, I didn't have to do this uh, before, but prior to him, who oh, I was with some absolute rotters. I ended up in relationships because I was generally I was in relationships because it, I couldn't set boundaries or you know because they really wanted to. Yeah, so I you're just like, oh, it. okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I'm I'm obviously wrong because I'm wrong about everything because I'm terrible and I hate myself. So you, someone who makes me feel happy and joy, you're 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 right. Yeah, so you take it away. You do it. <laughs> Who am I to hurt your feelings if you want to be with me? 
I mean, who cares if I want to be with you? I don't even know what I want, so I shall just be, I shall be your lover and hate myself yes. for every moment of it. Uh, yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird. I mean, I'm, I don't know about you, but over the pandemic, it's just been too much time in my own head because uh, I've had nothing to do. Like, I, I haven't stopped my entire life. This is the first time I've been made to just be like, you now can't do anything, like anything. So you're going to have to just, and I didn't like that one bit. No, I mean it's nice. I mean I know now I do know stuff now that I didn't before, and I feel I'm a little bit more. But uh, I don't do anything about it because I'm still too traumatized and tired. <laughs> but I know it. I know you're, you're saying it with a big smile, and that's a joke, but it's so true. The knowing it is that's all. That's the most important bit is just becoming aware of it, and then it's so much mm. easier to deal with. I, I mean, think I'm I was definitely... sorry. In the begin in the beginning, I think I was very sort of not smug, but a bit smug about how well I was handling just being alone inside. And now that has turned <laughs> into realizing that, oh, th that's also not healthy. <laughs> that's really yes, healthy yes. when you have to be inside for a year because of a pandemic. Sure, very lucky. But now that the world is opening up and I get to observe myself going back into the world realizing how much that used to fuck me up you know like oh okay uh, <laughs> this was this this is only good if i can never leave my house but sometimes i will have to and now i have to deal with that like everyone is also different now so you're a little bit like me like we're, we're both neurotypical we look at the world slightly differently we we observe and take in stuff differently people are for me in the way i work so much noisier and more unpredictable now um there's i can't guess where anyone's gonna move i can't guess what they're gonna say i can't figure out how all the pockets are going to be i am a lot uh, so it makes so it makes me more hyper aware and when i get home a lot more tired because um, I've been working harder and that's something that I wasn't expecting as much not just me having to reintegrate but also having to be aware of how other people are reintegrating uh, because we've all forgotten how to go outside yeah definitely but your job in particular you know because I was going to compare that to me going to the hairdresser and that being a bit weird but your job is like dealing with a lot of very drunk, hyperactive, specifically women, right? Oh my God. So uh, I'm in Magic My Life, uh, which is obviously Channing Tatum's like spectacular dance show. It's amazing. I wasn't meant to still be in it, but pandemic meant that, you know, there's work. I'm not going anywhere for a while, uh, but it's so good. The show is incredible. Actually, the show is the best it's ever been. That's been really lovely to be back in something, to be back making something with people and getting to do a job. But yes, the audiences are fascinating. Absolutely, because everyone has forgotten how to do the things. And our show in the first place isn't like other shows. It's not like going to see a, a theatre show. It's also not like going to see the Chippendales. It's it's very, very different. <clears throat> and it's always had a big effect on the women who come and see the show. Uh, I think it's incredible. If uh, you're worried about seeing it, don't be. It's fantastic. And I've never in... So I've been doing... I've been performing properly for like 12 years. I've never in all my life been in a room where the women feel as comfortable in the space as they are in that theatre. There is some, our show is built for women uh, and they can't, they, you can see them relax. Relax and then <laughs> when they're given the freedom that they don't have to worry about retribution from the men and women around them, they go wild. It's like they've been given like it's like they're on that island with Pinocchio where they all turn his donkeys and they can just like nothing matters here I can do whatever I want and so I, it is both beautiful and terrifying they are so powerful 
in that room that they could turn anything over. That is amazing. And then some of them enjoy this and like that. And then some of them just get really, really like intense and angry. It is, it, it's overwhelming for quite a lot of them. It was overwhelming for my sister and my mum when they saw it. It was overwhelming. They, they came out and they didn't know what to do with the energy that they were feeling. And so when they leave, oh boy, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's great that we have excellent reactions, but they are ready to rob a bank or set fire <laughs> to a petrol station. Like, <laughs> it's just this untethered just energy. It's amazing. How was it going from pandemic mode and then straight onto the stage onto that energy uh it, it was very strange i had missed it so much i don't know if you're the same but mm. there is nothing there is no methadone for this feeling of performing in front of the audience there just isn't like i did zoom gigs i did those fucking driving gigs and they're all terrible they're all terrible like i think zoom is great if you're good at it i'm not good at it i, I just i need to feel it um Uh, for, uh, I've, I've seen some good Zoom gigs, but I just, I, it's not, mm, no. Mm. It's also the difference between doing live and telly. Telly is really hard because you don't know what they think because they're not there. Uh, whereas live, you're in the room with people and you get to feel it and it's electric, it's brilliant. Uh, so going from cold turkey for an addict for 14 months to then doing my first my first show, I have never been higher uh, than I was that day. Just, that's, I like, it was um, a couple of weeks, it was three weeks ago, and our first like, like personal um, comedy performance was on a Friday, we did two shows. I, it was absolutely, it was that storm, that massive kind of storm in London where it was like, absolutely, I walked home in that rain from Leicester Square, Leicester Square to Camberwell. It took like an hour and 45 minutes because I had to, because I couldn't sat on the tube. I would have bounced around like a little ball. Uh, I had to walk in the rain. So I, and I'm used to, because like, you know this, Sophie, when you perform, you get that, you know how to tether it. You know, like I can't let this out because I'm the professional, I've got to get this in. And even then, when you leave the stage, you can sort of still control it. I had no control over it at all. It was just going everywhere. I think I sent flames to a thousand separate people on Instagram stories. I was <laughs> at replying to anyone who looks a little bit fit on Twitter. It was, <laughs> I was just manic. I was going through a mania and I had no method to control that. And I still sort of don't uh, at the moment. I'm, I'm coming home and I'm either high as a kite or absolutely knackered because I've been high as a kite for three days. Uh, that's, I'm, and that's sort of why I'm still in this, like right now as you, as you listening to me and seeing me, I am a little bit manic, but it's because I'm still trying to figure out how I did this uh, just 14 months ago, how I would happily just go about my day and then still do my washing and still pay a phone bill and like do all of the stuff i mean i don't know if this happened, like this definitely in the pandemic all my coping mechanisms for all of my neurotypicalities just went just went i can't spell anymore i have dyslexia i man I, i i didn't even know i had a coping mechanism for spelling But obviously I did because I can't fucking do it anymore. I have to text to speech pretty much everything. It is getting strange. I don't know my right from my left at the moment. That's wild. That is so. Yeah. Talk more about that. That I. So what was your coping mechanism? So uh, my right, my left. So <clears throat> so I've got uh, dyslexia and then some other isias. Uh, Discalculate a little bit of pressure, ADHD. <clears throat> My brain is very noisy. It's a very, very noisy brain. And I think I managed to keep it quiet and segmented. I think I managed to kind of allow processes to happen and thoughts to be made. And I didn't have to go on every single thought journey. So the right from my left thing is I have to, I, I don't know it 
in, in, instinctively and just don't. So I used to have, so when I was little, uh, I started to imagine picking something up with my right hand. So I'd have to like, look into the distance, but like, there's a tree. That's what I pick, that's the hand I pick it up with. So that's my right hand, which then turned into me just having to look into the distance and then my hand would lift and be like, oh, that's my right hand. And then it became, I just want to say, pick your right left and I would wiggle my right hand and then I would know which was my right. It would just, that over time I built this up, that is gone. I now have to look into the distance and pick up a tree. So that's, that's the one that I can really pull apart and say, I know what I did because I consciously did this. I consciously did this. I know what the work I did to get to the point where I can pretty much know my right and my left as quick as a regular brain person. But now it's going to take me two seconds, which that's creating. First of all, I don't think I have, I don't think up until this point, I don't think I knew that regular brained people just instinctively knew their right and their left because <laughs> i do the same and I, like i just i've never been aware that it was a process of like mm. left oh yeah that one yes that's that's left oh no they just know can you imagine that when someone says turn right they don't they just immediately do. fucking panic because they know they're going to get it wrong that's it's crazy to me i just i'm like you just walk <laughs> around knowing you're right from your left that is wild That's like, for me, that's like knowing North all the time. Knowing North? Yeah, you can't know that. That's impossible. You would have to Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's as wild. Because I was just going to, I was going to be like, David, it's up. up. And I was like, no, no, wait, wait, that's not how it works. (laughs) I remember learning left and right. And I was just so confused because it was like, this is, and then I would like turn around and be like, but then now what is it? Like, well, this yes. is what, and I was like, because it doesn't change, but it does change. It changes then, all the time. And then when people introduce your right or your left or my right or my left, I'm like, stage get left, fucked. No, get yeah. fucked. Not having it. <laughs> so this is funny. I know what stage left and stage right is because when I did amateur dramatics as a kid, it was a different route from the dressing rooms to either side. So I, in my head. <laughs> I imagine the Sony Hall Library Theatre, any time someone says stage left or stage right, because then I know which one it is. But I have to honestly imagine my childhood theatre before I can figure it out. That's when I, when I have to count anything, I have to go back to Danish. Oh, oh, it's, <laughs> oh it's, it's too much brain activity. That's a lot because you're doing translation plus. And I think that yes. also adds to the left and right because I have to go, Vince, Vince left. Yeah, yeah. So yes. I also have to translate. It's oh, very hard being us, but it's very fascinating that that has gone away during the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I am currently panicking and dissecting and figuring out pandemic shit all day, mm-hmm. every day. And it's, it's kind of, it's here. It's kind of in the mid right of my brain. I know exactly where it is, where it's worrying. And that's taking up processes from other stuff that I was doing before. Uh, definitely. Oh. I, there's just less, there's just less room in my head because I am honestly just worrying a lot more. I'm just worrying um, about stuff because like, especially because my entire career rests on us getting out of this. And I now know what it's like when my career gets taken away from me. My job is very, very important to me. I've worked very hard to do it. And it every, but it's not just that as well, actually. Hang on one second and cough. <coughs> one of the things I realized in the pandemic is everything I like doing involves gathering people. So not only was my work taken away from me which is also kind of my social life because i mix with comedians and i go to comedy clubs and i go to bars and places and see people but also i like going out dancing and i like kissing people i like having sex and i can't do any of those things either so like everything got taken away and on top of that i now have no money because i'm not earning anything because i can't work so now i am just trapped at home worrying about that and 
it, and then I couldn't pay rent anymore because I'd run out of money because I didn't get any help from the government. So like, I then had to go and live with my parents for a bit because that's what you do when everything's going great. You know, it's just, it's, it was a lot of stuff on top of it. And I think all of that worry and, and kind of panic and also grief and anger and uh, just frustration that all this stuff that I had worked really hard to get had just been taken away. All of that's in there as well. So like, I'm just doing a lot of coping with my emotions. And so now I don't know my left or my right. If that makes sense. I, weirdly it does. I think it does. <laughs> weirdly enough, right? I mean... Um, we're gonna. I mean, there's. Let me think. There's like 700 ideas. Sorry, I've gone everywhere. There's so you. many. Cro- there's so many <laughs> options now. It's like a game. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go to gender. Okay, gender. I mean, that came in as well. So I had. Yeah, because I feel yeah. like that. That was the reason that I found out, and I was like. I so I've been having a gender identity crisis for a number of years, um, but I. I came out as gay when I was 15 in 1999. Uh, and at that point, so I sort of realized I was a little bit different from the other gays is when I was talking about it with them, I'd be like, oh, you know that moment when you're like, do I, am I gay, do I fancy men or am I a girl? Um, is it that I'm actually, and, and so I, I, I spent a long time on that. I was like, I knew that I wasn't in the wrong body. I knew that. I was like, I'm, I had no body dysmorphia with my shape and my penis. I was like, I'm actually, do you know what? I'm, I'm fine with this. The thing that I didn't like was I also wasn't a boy. And that fucked me up for a bit. So then I just thought, oh, I'm just a camp boy. And then turns out I'm actually not really that camp, really. I'm a bit flamboyant and I make big arm gestures, but that's just quite theatrical. I'm not that femme. So I did all this when I was a kid. I would tell people about Scott the Gaker about this, you know, that moment when you had that discussion, and they'd look at me and go, No, I just knew I fancied men. And I was like, Oh, right. So there's something here. Oh, okay, great. And so over the last two or three years, as gender identities become a little bit more uh, known about and also I uh, I could read into it, but then I didn't feel like I was trans enough to come out. And that's, there's a lot of factors on that in the trans people's struggles are difficult and hard and I don't want to become a voice for them, uh, especially people who change gender entirely, who who transition, who have to medically deal with stuff. Uh, I also know I'm not famous, but people do know who I am. So making any comment draws a smidgen of attention or can draw some attention. I didn't want to do that before I knew what I was talking about. And also, I just couldn't be fucked coming out again. Um, I do it too often anyway. I mean, you have to, one of the things about coming out is you do it and you think, ah, everyone knows. And then, no, you have to fucking tell everyone that you've, you're ever going to meet ever again. You have to sort of tell them, especially if you're not like on-site queer to everyone. And also, people don't, but the thing they don't tell you, no one likes to think you're gay because they think it's rude to assume because they don't think it's a good thing. So they're like, oh, I like David. I wouldn't have thought he was gay because that, that I don't want to think anyone's gay because that's bad to think that someone's gay. It's, like, it's not bad. It's, it's a nothing. It's nothing. And so I couldn't bother coming out. And so I came out as my binary on Instagram, drunk out of my mind, uh, because a friend of mine also wants to come out as non-binary. And they are much more femme than I. Much more femme than I. And so I sort of did it because it is true. 
It is true. I am not a man. I'm not a woman. I definitely exist somewhere else. But also, I don't get... I'm not worried about being misgendered that much. And people don't assume I'm a girl. But generally people will take the piss out of me for not being a man. And one of the things that's happened is they can't do that now. And that feels fucking great. That's the best one. It's like when I came out at 15, they'd be like, you're gay. And they'd be like, yeah. And then they'd be like, uh. Mm-hmm. So now you can't have the fucking dick and piss out of me because I can put a shelf up. And you'll be like, oh, then we can put a shelf up. It's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so I, uh, sorry, this is very rambly and I don't think I've made a point yet. But yeah, essentially, I didn't, want, I didn't want to come out because I didn't think it was my thing. And I didn't think I was trans enough. I didn't think I was non-binary enough. I didn't think it would affect me enough. So I did it on a whim. And I felt so much better pretty instantly afterwards. I just did. Now that people sort of know. So my pronouns, I don't really give a shit if I know you. If I know you and I'm spending time with you, I know nothing you're saying is malicious or cruel. But if I meet you for the first time, it's going to be they, them, and you are going to make an effort. That's where I am with it now. And it's not just for me, it's because I'm okay being a dick about it, but people, other people who will feel bad for taking, for, for complaining or saying, well, actually, it's, uh, they've met me now, and I will tell her, I'll tell a dickhead to call me they, quite happily. It fills me with just so many feelings because I relate. I relate so hard to so much of that. Mm. For me, it's the fatness. So the the main comment that I will get is that I'm not a woman, and uh. now it's like, oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy you see me <laughs> for my non-binariness. <laughs> um, and then the transphobes would be like, "You're a woman," and there's a part of like the fat young kid who felt like not a good enough woman will be like, oh, <laughs> thank you. It, it is, it feels like, and, and also the, the, once you come out, how you just feel like I didn't, I couldn't understand how just saying something out loud could change the way I felt about it. Like it didn't really make sense to me logically, but it was just such a relief. It was honestly like the full cliche of a weightlifting, a weight that I didn't even know was there. Like I've been having conversations with my friends, you know, drunk at parties and whatever, being like, I think I'm having a gender identity thing. And they always, their reassurance to me was generally, no, you're fine. Like just be like, don't worry about it, it'll be okay. And then so being very declarative about it and being like, no, I know this to be true. I'm somewhere in the middle, so you're going to, I'm going to make you aware of that. I'm going to say it out loud. And doing that, there's so much power in that, there's so much freedom in that, that even as someone who's come out before and felt that, I did not give enough importance to my gender, uh, my gender stuff. What's the word we're meant to use? Uh, like, That's another worry, is because I can speak well on a topic, I've now become the font of all knowledge for non-binariness, and I don't fucking know. Like, I only know how I've come at it. (laughs) That's that's exactly what I had to say in the beginning. I Mm. came out uh, to myself and people around me before I said it online, Mm. because I knew what would happen, and it is exactly what's happening, which is a lot of people saying, so why is it that this, 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 and that in terms of gender. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, w- what I know for certain is that I am not a woman and I am not a man. I don't even, I didn't grow up with the word non-binary. So I don't know how much that in itself speaks to me. I just know that that's what's closest. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know, know if there even is a why. I don't know if it'll ever change. I don't know. Like, all I know is that this is my feeling and that's all you have. All I can give you is like, this is how I feel right now. <laughs> Because truthfully, I'm, I'm with you on that, that, that non-binary is the term I'm using at the moment. I don't think that's my thing. I think I'm closer to agender. Mm. Uh, I have um, 
I've started to try. I, I've been uh, I've been non-gendering my pronouns for a couple of years uh, deliberately. Uh, actually, that's a lie. I'd either been using she or they, never he, mm. uh, for a couple of years. I even when I was like saying someone was coming, because I find it weird that we have to announce someone's gender if they're on their way. Am I talking too much? By the way, I've realised that I'm talking a lot. No. Okay. Okay. Not at all. It's ideal, and it's so. It's so. Like my my therapist will. Um, one of my therapists will always find out <laughs> how I sound, and she'll always be like, "I can tell there's a difference because of this," and it'll be something like body tone, volume, mm. whatever. And like hearing you talk, I was like, oh, "Yeah." You do. You just seem more you. Yes, yes. But Better, like, it wasn't, just seem more grounded. It more... Yeah, it, it wasn't even a thing that I thought was causing me any trauma, because people don't didn't misgender. It's like the misgendering I would get wouldn't be pronouns or people thinking that I'm a girl. It was always negative in the fact that if I did anything that was considered boyish or manly the surprise that they would perform would be so cutting every time and then you know say ah yeah yeah me little me being able to put up a shelf or a little me being able to fix a oven or oh yeah i know about computer games like just a little just tiny which i imagine you get on the feminine side as well like when you know you'd make an effort to look pretty and everyone would go, ooh, she's a girl. It's like, get fucked. Just get fucked. Like, come on. Or even if I'm, like, dressing, like, proper man clothes or, like, sport, fucking sport, anything to do with sport and the way I would be, like, told that I wasn't doing it right as a boy and that being good at the sport is the thing that made me a man. Oh, I just I'm so glad it's not there anymore. So I, I like don't need it. Just don't care. Just don't care. And find it super weird now how much people are holding on to like their gender. Like just do you mean like turfs and just like just general people who get really panicky about me saying I don't want to be one of them. Oh. And they're a bit like they're not. It's not. I went on a date with a guy actually after I came out as non-binary, and he literally was like, "I mean, we'll have to agree to disagree." I was like, "This isn't going to go very well." But if we're not agreeing to disagree on my identity, <laughs> like that's not. It's not that we're gonna. No, I know you work very hard to fit in with the men, and you great. But I, I'm here. Yeah. No, you don't. <laughs> You don't get to do that. Very sorry. Very sorry. <laughs> it's also the the power that they think their words have. You're like you are a woman. You're like okay. You, I mean, you could also say that I am a horse, but that also doesn't make me a horse. I I don't know why you think that <laughs> this has anything to do with reality. No, and also deep deep down, you not thinking I am. What's it going to do? You're not. You're, it, it's it's different. It's, but what's interesting is, as I'm someone who, so I've been queer for my entire life, obviously, but like openly at least out as something since I was 15, so like 22 years now. Um, I remember when coming out as gay had a very, even in the 90s, had a very similar reaction to some things. It wasn't, it was, it was like, well, maybe it's just a phase or maybe you'll feel different. All of the stuff that's being lobbied against trans people at the moment. And all it takes is you to meet a few and realise that these people are happier as they are. And it actually doesn't harm you in any way unless you're in a cult. Um, it doesn't harm you at all. It actually has very little bearing on your life. Uh, very little bearing on your life. It's just that people don't like to think that 
sometimes fitting into the mold, doing harming yourself to fit in, to conform, to be that thing. They hate to see people who are happier having not done that. Um, It's social currency. Mm. It's the more you fit in, the more points you get. And then to see someone actively not trying to fit in and being happy is like, how dare you be happy? Because I've I've got so many points. See, I got all the points (laughs) for being correct. Yeah, look at all the stuff I've sacrificed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like I've spent 200 hours in the gym uh, last week, and but you're just fat and happy. Like, what have you done to deserve happiness? Uh, uh, the guy that I'm dating, he's lovely. He's currently uh, experimenting with crop tops and skirts, which is great. Amazing. Which is great, which, yeah. you know, is technically more non-binary than I will ever dress. Uh, I'm not going to start buying <laughs> skirts because women's sizing seems like a fucking nightmare. Um, and I don't, I can't be bothered to get in with all that. Can't be bothered, can't, <laughs> like that, like, what's a size 14? I have no idea. Um, it very much so, depends on the brand, I'll tell you I, that much. Apparently so. So he ordered like four skirts, the same size, and it was like, all of them fit different. And I was like, yeah, being a woman seems like a nightmare. <laughs> Wearing women's clothing seems like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, oh, it's it's too stressful. <laughs> yeah, but I but there is definitely something happening. I think at the moment, especially with the people that we're interacting with and choose to interact with, in that the freedom and the, the safety of experimentation exists now, where you can experiment with changing your pronouns. So for a while, my pronouns were he they, just to kind of test the water. Uh, the guy I'm dating is wearing crop tops and um, skirts. Like, you can do anything now. And, and I think people are starting to realise that a derisive comment won't fly in the way that it used to because actually fitting in is kind of basic and you don't get points now for being default. And I like that because I've never been default. And I used to have to apologize and work really hard to be like to try to fit into the default. And now that the default's shit, I'm like, yes, yes, welcome, join me, join me, come here, like do the stuff you want to fucking do, and don't like make yourself unhappy conforming to all the stupid. Obviously, like don't break the law unless it's a silly one. But like, don't, you know what I mean? But like, if it's just people going, oh, why are you wearing Crocs? It's like, because I like them. And you don't have to. I do. And if you like me, that's enough of a reason. Like, and it's actually it's actually so much more... It's actually easier than the olden days rules because it, I feel like the people who are still catching up are so confused. They're like, but what about this? And so they'll say things like, but what if you change your mind? And because they cannot figure out, like, but you have to be one or the other, but what if you change? And while the answer is so simple, it's like, well, then I change my mind. Like, that's fine. Then I'll start using other pronouns. Or, like, things things are fluid. Things change. And they're like, but what if? And you're like, no, that's actually not. Like, the, the, the it's, it's not that we're changing the rules. It's that there are no rules, which is so much th- easier. Do you think we find, we find this easier? I mean, you and me specifically. Because we've lived our lives in chaos. And so we're so used to not having definition. And actually, we don't now find comfort in it. We're so okay with everything changing very quickly that we are a little bit more freer to play and and uh, feel less stress when things change. Yeah, I, th- I think it's back to the sort of social currency thing of... Mm-hmm the 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 points that you get we haven't really gotten that many of of course we've gotten you know white points and uh mm. how do you say cis passing points mm. to an extent um so it's not that we've, we're not privileged but for so in so many ways gender sexuality mm. uh, body blah 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 we've not benefited that much from the mm. social currency 
So that has always just been a crux. That's always just been something that has bothered us to an extent and made us feel worse. But for people who, you know, I mean, even if it's fat people, but they're in a dieting group, which is like their whole life. And every week someone's like, yay, well done, Betty. You've not eaten this thing this week. That is some kind of social validation. But once you're removed from that, like, then you don't get anything out of it. And then it changing is only good for you. And the people who have built their entire lives on, you know, these mm. points from society, that's all crumbling because we're going, yeah, but that's worthless, actually. Mm. Who are you really? And then they have to sort of figure out who they are and where to get the validation from when it's not from society's ideals. Yeah. Like having, having to make your own decisions is hard, I think, for people for whom the the basic choice, the default choice is, is close enough to what they want that they can get it. Uh, for me specifically, just the def- I have to explain my experience, my, my existence to most people uh, because I, they might be worried about me and they shouldn't be, I'm sort of doing okay. Or they don't understand and they feel like, because I'm, I'm 37, uh, most of my peers, most of my people I went to school with have now got kids in a house and, you know, they live in the suburbs and stuff. And I'm like, I, I'm happy forever renting. Just am. I want to live in the middle of the city until I die. Because <laughs> that's where I will feel comfort. That is my house of the Crest of itself, Mong Kings. It's the same. The comfort you feel having a four-bedroom house, living in the suburbs, doing all of that, that's comforting to you, that regularity, that, that um, stasis, that um, uniformity, that is comfortable to you. Comfortable to me is literally having no food in the fridge because I don't have to, because I can afford to eat here as I go. Renting in the middle of somewhere, I only need a little bit of space. I don't care about a massive house I just need enough room for me I actually like prefer living with people because left on my own fuck knows what would happen uh, I need to talk to people I need to bounce stuff off people if I'm there and so it's like I know that my choices aren't regular I don't think they're too obscure I don't think they're too stupid they're too wild but I can explain to you why I do and why I invest in everything that I do and invest in. I can tell you that I've, I've thought about everything. I think too few, too, too many people haven't thought about it. So, well, why have I got this? Why do I want this? I know why I want everything I want. I know why I buy everything I buy. I know why I have everything I have. And it doesn't need to make sense to you. It just needs to make sense to me. And I'm okay with that as well. I don't, I think I can articulate to you most of stuff. And if you know me, you'll know when I'm doing well and I'm doing not, and if I'm not doing well, if I'm, if I'm, not, if I'm not all right. But I don't have to explain everything to everyone all the time because I don't owe you that. You just have to know if I'm treating you okay, if I'm looking after you, if I'm doing the things that I said I would do for you. That's all. You don't have to convince me to be more responsible in your terms of it because that would make you feel better because then you wouldn't have to worry about me when I've told you not to worry about me. It's, and that's actually a boundary thing that we were talking about earlier. My boundaries are now, I'm not going to sit as you try and tell me that I should go on hikes. Don't want to. Don't like it. Done it. Don't like nature. I like a city. I like being. Don't you like it? Great, go do it. It's fine. I'm not stopping you. I just don't want to. I might go with you because I think you're great. I don't tell me what I like when I already know. Oh, that was so, that's. This has been so nice. Yeah, I mean, I've spoken a lot. I apologize if I've spoken, but also, no. I haven't gone to have chats like this with people for so long. Like, honestly, because like, even in the pandemic, when you'd like chat to people on Zoom and stuff, and like you'd do the phone calls, it 
was so stilted because you obviously have to start the whole thing with how many people have died that day. And you're like, well, that's, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, it's that thing of like, you don't have to preface everything with that. Uh, but now there's a little bit more freedom. I've had half a vaccination. Like, let's talk about massive big things. And it's great. I love it. About just, you know, how... Two uh, strange little alien people fit in to the world that was not built for us or by us. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. You seem, <laughs> I don't know, you just seem so grounded. Really? God, thank you. That's yeah. nice. That's interesting. That's interesting. Because uh, I am, look, I'm not, I mean, you said it was interesting for the podcast to be like where you are at the moment. I am trying at the moment. It's um, it's work at the moment. Like just existing at the moment is work. Um, I'm not depressive at the moment, which is actually really nice. Uh, my anxiety is through the roof for certain things, and my social socialization aspect is I'm just like burning out quicker. That's like when you know just when you're around people and you have to. You know how it's like as a stand-up, like when you're like at a so, for example, my agent brought producer people to see the show and I had to go for a drink with them afterwards. And that level of being on, I haven't done in so long. And I was just like, by the end of it, I was just fully tired. Um, but this has been like, this is why I'm going to talk to you now. I'm just like, yeah, all of the things, just like all of the, because it's, I'm just in a good mood for that. But I am not, I wouldn't say I was grounded right now. And so I'm like, like, maniky, 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 and then asleep. That's, I, need to, I think you found. Need to it feels like it. your feels like your foundation is grounded. Mm. So whilst there's still a lot of chaos on top, what yeah, is that? Like the very core of you seems to be in a much more secure place than the last oh, yeah, time we had a proper chat. You know? Okay. Yes, I 100 agree on this. Yeah, I, I know who I am. I think the most I ever have. I really do. And while there's stuff that I would like to be different. I know that that's my responsibility to change now. And if I don't, then that's what I am. So that's the decision I had. That's how it's like, you've got what you've got. I now know what I have. It's like, so you can change some of the bits. But if you haven't yet, don't beat yourself up about that. Just do it when you get around to it. And it'll be fine. At least you know. At least I know what needs to change. My therapist would be so proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) You're saying all the right things. (laughs) David, this is so. This is so great. I'm. Uh, I, this is so great. Thank you. It was super lovely. Thank you so much for having me on. Obviously, uh, I love talking to you and I love listening to your yeah. stuff. Great. Let's nice. hang out when it when it can't kill us. Oh my god! Yes. Oh, I can't believe I was so close down to Manchester. Yeah. Oh, There's yeah. nowhere quiet at the moment. This is the problem. Um, like, garden. Oh yes, gardens. That's fine. Outside, normal have a garden. You've got a garden. That's perfect. I'll be able to come around to garden. That's exciting. A garden. Yeah. Uh, it's not in central London, but no, no, no. But it's like close enough. I mean, I'm not. I mean, if I can camp well, I'm not in central London. Um, although they <laughs> like to pretend it is. It's like no, you. I have to get a bus place. Uh, it's overground or bus. So no, no, don't count. Um, <laughs> Well, usually I would ask, where can people find your stuff? Um, uh, well, I guess that still sort of counts, right? Yeah, I mean... Magic uh, Mike is back. Yeah, Magic Mike's on... Uh, when's this coming out? Do we not know? No one knows. No one knows. Uh, so, uh, well, that's fine. But uh, you can just find out about me on... Uh, this is David on pretty much all of the stuff. Uh, I don't think I'm on TikTok, but I'm not really on... I don't really post. I want to post, but I'm scared because I don't think I'll do comedy. I think I'll do poems. But uh, that's going to be interesting. Wait, what? Yeah, Are you I, write, poetry now? I always write poems. Like what? when I gave up, when I gave up prayer, when I stopped being a Catholic, I now write poems. So when so poems are like my little prayers. So I I write them not for anyone else to read, like ever really. It's just a way of getting it, me getting it out of my head, and like it's it's quick enough and artistic enough that it's a thing. Uh, okay, oh. one second. I'm gonna write next time poetry, and then I'm gonna have to. I'm then I'm gonna have to run. Thank you so well, much, David. It's alright. This has been super lovely. Thank you so much for having me. This has been it was wonderful. Nice. I'm gonna message you the second. Go, go, go. 
I run chase the dog. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Let's all go to the West End and watch David be brilliant in Magic Mike. And then, you know, we can hope that Channing Tatum is there and I can convince him to do my podcast. And by podcast, you know what I mean. Sorry. David and I talked for absolute ages. We had a whole long conversation about them on learning fat phobia, which was incredibly interesting, but it made the episode too long. So we're going to upload that bit to Patreon. I recommend you go and subscribe now if you're not already subscribed. Patreon.com forward slash Sophie Hagen. S-O-F-I-E-H-A-G-E-N. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to David Morgan for being a great guest and friend. And thank you to Dave Pickering for editing the episode. Speak to you all soon. Bye.